Bonjour. Hello. Hola. Marhaba bikum. Hello and welcome back to Your Planet from AFP, brought to you in association with The Conversation. I'm Anna Cunningham. Thanks for being here. Now, throughout this series, we've endeavoured to explore solutions that offer hope for a more sustainable future on planet Earth. But some of them, well, as we've discovered... They're a bit more complicated than offering just straightforward solutions. In this final episode, we're putting the climate itself directly in the dock as we investigate the role of litigation. Can it possibly act as a viable solution? Climate cases have more than doubled in five years, with more than 2,500 worldwide. Environmental activists and non-governmental organisations have been seeking to hold governments and big corporate entities directly accountable. But just how effective is such legal action? Stay with us as we head inside the courtroom. This is Your Planet from AFP. Let's start in the Netherlands and take you back to December the 20th, 2019, inside the country's Supreme Court based in The Hague, where Judge Hoge Raad delivered his verdict in the case of the Dutch environmental NGO or gender versus the state of the Netherlands. This order means that the state is obliged to reduce greenhouse gas emissions by at least 25% from 1990 levels by the end of 2020. This obligation is based on the Articles 2 and 8 of the European Convention for the Protection of Human Rights. These articles entail a positive obligation for the Dutch state to protect the residents of the Netherlands from the serious risk of a dangerous climate change. This ruling made history. It was the first time a nation had been required by its courts to take action against climate change. But it had been a long time coming. The Dutch environmental group or gender originally filed the lawsuit in 2013 against the Dutch government on behalf of 886 co-complainants. Dennis van Berkel is a climate change lawyer based in Amsterdam and the legal counsel to the Agenda Foundation. He believes their pursuit of the case over the years has had a huge impact. We were a small team and uh, we, had, we, had a, we had an idea, we had a vision, we thought we believed in our case and we went for it despite the fact that you know most of the people when we started said that there was no chance that we could could make any impact um and we were extremely fortunate to i believe to to have been able to contribute to something that had this tremendous impact i mean the first judgment was in 2015 and immediately after 2015 the, the most direct impact of the judgment was that it really changed the debate on climate change in Parliament, that there was no longer a question of, is climate change really an issue and do we need to act? But that was then a given. And the government quite quickly after this 2015 uh, judgment started to debate 
or parliament uh, to phase out coal-fired power plants that had just opened uh, that year. Um, and, uh, and it adopted the law to close all coal-fired power plants by 2030 at the latest. The Dutch government tried to fight the case, appealing all the way up to the Supreme Court, but ultimately it ruled in favour of all gender. The foundation's lawyer, Dennis van Berkel, says dialogue between the two sides continues. After that, it did present a number of very big stimulus packages uh, of, 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 in total, six to nine billion euros of uh, investments in, in energy efficiency and, and renewable energy. So there you did see that they uh, really took the, the, the judgment serious. And, and, and now still, I mean, we, we, we've passed uh, 2020 and still in the government documentation, the, the, the policy reports, etc., there are still chapters in those reports uh, of agenda measures, so to say. And progress is still ongoing. The legal action of a few hundred Dutch citizens has inspired others in Europe and elsewhere in the Americas and Asia. Urgenda went on to share its expertise with others, developing the Climate Litigation Network. Research published in September 2022 by the London School of Economics says there's been nine similar cases that have gone through the courts, with seven ending in victories for the campaigners. We are simply going to take the state to court for climate inaction. We can win too and force the French government to actually reduce its emissions. And if we win, we will have a real way of forcing our leaders to act. One case inspired by the Dutch success sought to get the French government to honour its climate commitments. Launched in 2019 at the height of the European climate protests, the French NGO Notre Affaire Tous brought the case with three other organisations, accusing the French government of exceeding its CO2 emissions in relation to the Paris Climate Agreement. In 2021, they won, with a Paris court ordering the French government to take all necessary measures to make up for its delay in reducing emissions. The NGO continues to push the French government to implement the court's ruling. It's legal action like this, pressure from campaigners and activists that we're seeing duplicated around the world. Based in New York, Brazilian Dr. Maria Antonia Tigre is the director of global climate change litigation at Columbia University's Sabin Center for Climate Change Law. She was the co-author of a report on global climate disputes produced by the United Nations. She believes there has been a movement for legal action on the climate crisis. Now it's really spread out and we have you know, lots of children who are activists, climate activists, using litigation as well, indigenous groups. You know, it's, it's really now um, a broader range of plaintiffs that are using climate litigation for that. It really comes from this dissatisfaction with 
the way that countries have responded to the climate crisis. You know, there are cases that relate to mitigation, which is what I was talking about, you know, cases that are pushing um, countries or corporations to re- reduce emissions, to, you know, to increase mitigation. Maria Antonia Tigre cites the case of a group of Portuguese children who took their case to the European Court of Human Rights. It involved 32 European countries. An initial hearing went to court on September the 27th, 2023. Claudia Agostinho, a nurse and one of the applicants, summed up her objectives. We need to take measures to guarantee our right to a healthy life, which is the most basic right of any human being. And that's all we ask of those in power, a solid legal basis on which to start taking concrete and also more rigorous measures to guarantee us the future to which we are entitled. The court will decide in the coming months whether they have a case. Researcher Maria Antonia Tigre says cases have different strands. Then there are adaptation cases, helping communities, you know, adapt better to to the effects of climate change. And then uh, are the loss and damage cases, which is still very, very new. There are not many examples of that. But it's really, you know, when there's no mitigation or adaptation that would, you know, provide a satisfactory answer uh, to that problem, then we come to loss and damage, uh, and then it's you know communities that have already been impacted by climate change that need some sort of compensation for the, the losses that they have endured. It's clear that legal cases are on the rise. Some aimed at getting a speedier implementation of emissions reduction, others aimed at taking head-on major companies in the fossil fuel sector. Friends of the Earth Netherlands, along with six other NGOs and a group of 17,000 private individuals, brought a complex case against Shell PLC, the now British multinational oil and gas company. In May 2021, a Dutch court delivered its landmark ruling, ordering the company to cut its worldwide CO2 emissions by 45% by 2030, compared to 2019 levels. Here is Donald Pong, director of Milieu Défense, one of the plaintiffs. Uh, This is an historical day. It's for the first time in history that the judge has decided that the large polluter, Royal Dutch Shell, should stop causing dangerous climate change. There's also an emerging field of research named attribution science that aims to pinpoint exactly how human greenhouse gas emissions have contributed to specific climate disasters – Some legal cases are now basing their arguments on studies that quantify the emissions of the major fossil fuel companies. Here's Maria Antonia Tigre again. The Carbon Majors Report specifically attributed certain percentages of contribution to greenhouse gas emission to the major corporations in the world. So it says, you know, Chevron contributed to X percent of climate change over its over history 
so that's really important for, you know, the, the loss and damage cases, for example, really rely on that report. So to understand more about some of the quite extraordinary and potentially major climate cases going to court, let's head to Peru. Here in Peru is the focus for a climate lawsuit taking place in Germany that involves a melting and retreating Peruvian glacier named Palacaraju and could potentially set a global precedent aimed at holding polluters accountable for harming our planet. And the case is in the hands of one Peruvian farmer and mountain guide, Saul Luciano Yuya. He's taking a stand against the German electricity giant RWE, claiming climate damage where he lives is linked to emissions from the company's coal mines thousands of miles away. In Germany. As a citizen, and as you are in a risk zone, you know that there are big companies or industries that have caused this, and you feel powerless not being able to do anything. And with this lawsuit, at least we are trying something. Saul Luciano Yuya's claim is that the melting of the glacier is caused by global warming, endangering his home. He says the melting could cause a glacial lake dubbed Palcacocha, located upstream at an altitude of some 4,650 metres, to overflow. Its level has already risen dangerously, according to Noah Walker Crawford, a climate change researcher at UCL, University College London, and also an advisor to the German NGO German Watch, which is supporting the case. Part of the rock can break off the mountain and fall into the water, causing a surge that overflows this dam and goes down towards the city of Juaras, dragging everything in the way with it. All this water with ice could drag trees, cows, houses, everything in its way, and that affects the downtown part of Juaras, where about 50,000 people live in the risk zone. Sao Luciano Yuya might live continents away from the RWE mines in Germany, but he's convinced the company should compensate him. One study by the Institute for Climate Responsibility has claimed that the energy giant RWE is responsible for 0.5% of global CO2 emissions since the beginning of the industrial era. So Luciano Yuya believes the company should pay him 0.5% of the cost of work needed to protect his house, a bill currently estimated to be some $20,000. AFP contacted the company. RWE was keen to stress the following points. Innumerable sources around the globe have emitted greenhouse gases or contributed in other ways to climate change. It is judicially impossible to relate specific and individual consequences of climate change to a single person responsible. We have always operated our plants in compliance with governmental permits. RWE supports the German and European Union climate goals and agrees to Germany's coal phase-out by 2030. A German court has deemed Saul Luciano Yuya's case against the German energy giant RWE to have merit. 
A team has been sent some 3,000 metres up into the Andes Mountains to investigate. Major energy companies around the world are under the spotlight. Since 2019, the French oil giant Total Energies has had five cases pursued against it in both France and the US. In a fresh legal challenge launched in June 2023, 26 Ugandans, along with five French and Ugandan aid groups, went to court in Paris accusing Total Energies of alleged human rights violations at its massive mega-projects in Uganda. Two legal attempts by NGOs against Total Energies have failed. Suing multinationals isn't easy. Dutch environmental lawyer Dennis van Berkel says it's more difficult than suing governments. Governments, basically, they've been negotiating these treaties for decades. So it was very clear that there is a responsibility on the side of the government. They acted as if they were responsible, right? They, they said, well, we are responsible for this. We're just not doing enough. That's basically what they were saying at, at all of these climate negotiations. They needed to uphold their promises. But with private companies, that obligation isn't so transparent. In some countries, there are also safety concerns. Let's return to New York and get some thoughts from Maria Antonia Tigre, the climate litigation expert. I think the, the biggest issue sometimes is, the, is their own safety, the safety of the, the lawyers bringing the cases and their plaintiffs because they can receive a lot of uh, backlash, some, you know, personal threats sometimes. You know, I've talked to litigators in Africa and they, they mention a lot how, like, they wouldn't want to tell us at the Sabin Center about cases before they're decided because they can face some personal, uh, you know, security issues, especially if they're suing corporations. So that... You know, the, this protection of environmental defenders is definitely an issue in you know, Latin America, Africa and Asia. Overall, it's evident that climate cases are difficult to prosecute. French lawyer William Bourdon, whose firm has been suing multinationals, including Total Energies, for more than 20 years in cases related to human rights, corruption and the environment, says it takes a lot of resources. There is a lack of symmetry in terms of resources. You need financial resources. You have to go and get the evidence. You have to go and meet the witnesses on the spot, in the bush, in the savannah, in the forest, and so on. It's very difficult. Then there is another obstacle. Some NGOs are reluctant because they are afraid of what's called slap cases against public participation or gagging clauses or even having to pay damages. They are afraid of that. When cases do get to court, the impact can be felt by companies. It's often the shareholders who are influenced the most. Imperial College London's Grantham Institute, which is a hub for studies in climate change and the environment, investigated the impact. One study found that such lawsuits led to a 0.5% fall in the company's stock market value from the moment a case was filed. It also found that almost 60% of cases already decided, have been successful. But Maria Antonia Tigre doesn't think that success should be measured solely in terms of legal victories and immediate political action. 
You know, climate litigation is definitely not a panacea, but it is one of the many different solutions to the climate crisis. And obviously, as we have uh, decisions, it's more, it reinforces the process more and more. And I think the, also the interesting part of it is that it brings a lot of media attention. So it does, uh, even before a decision, put pressure on governments and on companies to to do better, to to commit to more emission reductions. Whether these legal cases are successful or not are for the courts to decide in whatever country they're heard. But it's clear that campaigners, climate activists and even solitary citizens now see climate litigation as one way of pushing forward solutions. And so we've come to the end of this series. Your Planet was an AFP audio production brought to you in association with The Conversation, presented by me, Anna Cunningham. The series' executive producer was Michaela Cancela-Kiefer, editing by Camille Kaufman and sound design from Nicolas Vert. As always, we don't leave you empty-handed. If you're keen to read up on more about climate litigation, then do head to The Conversation for an article written especially for our podcast by Diego Landivar. Links are on our page. I do hope you've enjoyed this journey together. Whether you're a climate enthusiast, environmental campaigner, a sceptic, or maybe just curious about the future of our planet. As always, if you want to share your thoughts directly with us on anything we've been covering, you can reach us by email, podcasts at afp.com. Until the next time, this has been Your Planet. Thanks for listening.